Lord say amen. amen. Take your Bibles, find Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews and the 5th chapter. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Three of you, the Lord's been good to three of you. I think that's a <laughs> remarkable statistic, so I'm going to back it up and give you a chance to redeem yourself. I say, hadn't the Lord been good to us? Amen. I bless his name. The pastor asked me a while ago, he said, do your children sing? I said, no, but they're going to an amazing music class every Friday morning. And I said, if they don't sing real good in 10 years and bring me and Jennifer a lot of income, and I'm coming back for a refund. That's what I told him. We're very grateful for uh, the homeschool group gathering up, and it's an answered prayer to us, and we're, we're grateful for it. And the only thing I'm worried about is the evangelist kids getting with pastor's kids and deacon's kids. Ha, 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 because I remember what I did, what I got with the deacon's kids and the pastor's kids. What a blessing. We need each other in these days. He said so much the more as you see the day approaching. I'm afraid we've got that assembling ourselves together. Uh, I believe we've narrowed it down to just a little Sunday, Wednesday business. I wish I had somebody. It's a lot bigger than that. You know, we can get as ceremonial as the Roman Catholics. You understand that, don't you? And, we, and we're, we're grace people, but we create laws, don't we? And actually, in creating a law, you narrow down what God had in mind. And we need each other. We need each other. So much the more as you see the day approaching. And I'm grateful for your pastor and the burden God's put on his heart for this ministry. And uh, we're grateful to be here tonight. The Hebrews chapter 5, let me pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for Calvary. Thank you, Lord God, for the Lord Jesus sent from the Father and for the Holy Ghost sent from the Son. And thank you that the church is sent by the Holy Ghost. And our Lord, I pray that you'd touch us and help us for just a little while in the preaching hour. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all the Lord's people said. burden on my heart tonight is very simple. I don't have a structured outline, but I have the scriptures. I want you to take in Hebrews 5, in the middle of verse 7, you'll find strong crying. The scriptures are speaking of our Savior the Lord Jesus, when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and in chapter 5, verse 7, said, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard <coughs> in that he feared. <coughs> Circle that strong crying. Now, I want to say to you that if you go long at all with the Lord, that you're going to run into some strong crying. Now, I wish the TV evangelist had it right, and that if you live for God, you'd be healed and healthy and wealthy and wise, and have an answer for everything, and money overflowing. The only problem with that is, is there ain't a bit of Bible to it. And uh, Jesus and his 12 disciples, it come time to pay taxes, and there wasn't one coin amongst them. They had to go down to the bank. They had to go down to the river bank. Amen. And collect a coin. Now, if you stay with the Lord... And some of your lot is going to be much heavier than others. Not everybody's a Job. 
Not everybody is a Daniel in the lion's den. But the days of man are full of trouble. And you're going to know something about strong crying. Our Savior did. The good thing is that he's already been there when you get there. He's already been there. Strong crying. Now I want you to come over to chapter 6 and verse 18. And I saw this a few years ago. Brother Thompson, I saw this a few years ago. And in my old Bible, I drew a line from one to the other. And if this pen wasn't so thick, I'd draw it right now. But I've got them circled, strong crying. And in chapter 6, verse 18, right in the middle of that verse, I find a strong consolation. I wish I had somebody. Chapter 6, verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. We who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. I want to make a little announcement. Inspect y'all, it's all right not to act like a Lutheran. You can pop a happy bubble if you want to. I'm glad that there's strong crying in one chapter, but there's strong consolation in the next. Amen to God. I'm glad that that strong consolation comes after that strong crying. Amen. And I'm keeping my King James Bible. Amen. I'm halfway from Tunnel Hill and the other half from Ringgold, and I can still read the King James Bible. What about that? What about that? I guarantee you that was too hard for these modern day boys to pronounce. They probably took that word out. I guarantee you. Consolation was too Shakespearean. They had to get rid of it. But in my Bible, I got strong crying on one page and a strong consolation on the next page. I'm not going to change them words. Now this don't need to be preached here. I know you're pastor and I know the spirit of your church, but I thought this was a wonderful illustration I ran into studying behind, behind a, a preacher the other day. He said your King James Bible, he said it's kind of like having a wife of many years. He said if you're looking for fault, you're going to find it. He said, but if you don't look, it won't be there. Now he said this, he said if a man pulled up on a street corner in his car and looked down and lo and behold, there's his wife getting in the car with a strange man. He said, a man who trusts his wife will not suspect that anything's wrong with her. And he knows that later on she'll explain to him, that was my cousin or there was an emergency. But he's not looking at her and he don't see any fault. Because he got confidence in her. But if he don't trust her, he immediately finds fault when he sees something he don't understand. And anybody that finds fault in this Bible is because you didn't trust it to begin with. I was raised by some old timers. I wish I could get a witness right there. I was raised by some old timers who taught me that when I saw something in that Bible I didn't understand, there wasn't anything wrong with that Bible. There's something wrong with my understanding. And I'm glad I've got a godly wife, and I'll be honest with you, and I understood that illustration. If I saw her out here get in the car with a man and go, I, I, and this is coming from my soul, I'd know there's nothing wrong with her. There's something wrong somewhere else. Now, I might chase them down and whoop somebody and then find out later what was going on, but <laughs> hopefully Brother Jimmy would be close by and bring a chainsaw or something to help me in that big diesel truck. But I wouldn't think anything's wrong with her because in my heart, I know there's not anything there. And I got news for you. This outfit in the next big town over has about run our area and told for 50 years that there's mistakes in that Bible right there. I got news for you. If you see something that you don't understand, there ain't nothing wrong with the book. Ain't something wrong with your faith. And I'm glad I got a Bible where I got strong crying on one page, but strong consolation on the other. 
Now here's my burden tonight. I run into this just two weeks ago. And I never have seen this. I might have a little happy bubble get, get loose right in here, preacher. I seen something right between that strong crying and that strong consolation. Never had seen it in all these years. There's another strong word in there. It's chapter 5, verse 14, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. You know what I found? You see it in chapter 5, verse 14? That word strong popped out again. Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. There's a strong Christian right between that strong crying and that strong consolation. <laughs> Glory to God. We need some strong Christians. There are not many in this hour. I don't know if there's ever been many in any hour. It's always been a few that found that opening to that kingdom. I found a strong Christian right between that strong crime and strong consolation. Now I want to say something about that strong crime for just a minute. I want to say something about that strong consolation for just a minute. And then I want to end up talking about that strong Christian. And I feel some happy bubbles coming on. Strong crying. Look at our Savior, verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, and I'm glad I've got a Savior who, is, who knows what it is to be tempted in all points like as we are. Amen. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, now them supplications, that's, that's, that's putting prayer in overdrive. The, the actual definition for a supplication is please for mercy. A plea for mercy. I believe in prayer. And I believe that God hears prayer and honors prayer. But honey, I, sometimes we need to kick it in overdrive and begin to plea for mercy. Aren't you glad we can pray? The last verse in Genesis 3. So he drove man out of the garden. Put him out of the garden. The last verse in chapter 4 of Genesis. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. What about that? I just connected them two verses the other day. I'll be chewing on that. Man got put out of the presence of God at the end of chapter 3 of Genesis and it only took one chapter that he's trying to get back in. Ain't you glad you can call on God? Ain't you glad you can call on God? Our Savior prayed. He prayed in the midnight. He prayed all night in the mountain. He prayed early in the morning, a great while before day. He prayed during the heat of the day, and he knew to pray. And if he had a need or a desire to pray, then don't you and I, who in the days of his flesh, and that's the best way we can deal with our flesh, amen, is to get it in a place of prayer. There's only one thing hotter than the fires that, that run through your flesh, and that's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Ain't nothing else going to work. Prayers and supplications. With strong crying and tears unto Him that was able to save Him from death. There's our Savior crying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Brother Thompson, I pastored one church from age 21 to age 29. And God let me sit with the sheep and learn what it is to love sheep. He loves them. He taught me how to love sheep. And I've heard some strong crying. I've been there when a baby died. There's plenty of youngins around here and plenty of mamas and babies and daddies. One of the worst things I saw pastoring. I pastored near Jacksonville, Florida, and we had those Navy, several Navy families. And I got the call, one of them calls that you dread to get. One of our Navy families, Willie and Annette, had four little children. The youngest was two. And a long story short, somehow crawled out the screen door. The screen door was not latched. Early morning, eating breakfast, they were all getting ready. 
And somebody said, where's the baby? And they got, by the time they looked outside, there was a big gas truck delivering gas, and he just put it in reverse. I'm going to spare you all the details. But they were running through the yard screaming, and that man never heard them and rolled over backwards. I'm going to spare you the details. When I got there, the mama was half passed out in the yard, blubbering. The daddy was four blocks. He'd just run screaming and fell in the street. He's screaming, holding his head. I run down and grabbed a hold of him and pulled him out of the street and we laid on the side. I couldn't get him up. We laid on the sidewalk. The ambulances and the emergency people were there. I can't tell you and I can't duplicate for you the sound that that man was making when he was crying. But I've heard strong crying. I've been there not just when a baby died. I've been there when a bride died. The man is a dear friend. Met his wife on the front pew of my church. One of our camp meetings. I walked in his hospital room and stood there all week. You know the story, Brother Jimmy. And I stand there when they finally pulled the plug on her. He'd been in a car wreck and this young preacher was in one hospital and she is in another. He got ambulance to one and she got helicopter to the other. They pulled that life plug and I was standing there when they said, would y'all if you're not family, step out of the room. And I stood by the door in the hallway with 200 people. And I peeked in and the old white-haired man of God leaned over and held that young preacher, mom and daddy on one side and a pastor holding him. And he said, she's gone, son. And for 20 minutes, that boy, that, that young preacher, I can't describe to you how he cried and what he cried like. But I can tell you one thing. There is one who can empathize and sympathize. There was one who went down in the Garden of Gethsemane and looked over in a cup and in that cup was all of our sorrows. All of our sorrows. In that cup was all of our sin. In that cup was all of our shame. In that cup was all of our separation from God. Brother, that daddy I held in my arms, that, that sorrow was in that cup. That young man whose bride, and he cried for 20 minutes, oh God, let me die too so I could be with her. That cry was in that cup. Every tear you've secretly cried was in that cup. Our sorrows were, he was a man of sorrows. What a name, that man of sorrows. Honey, he entered into our sorrow. He entered into our sin. He entered into our stream of life. And brother, in the garden of Gethsemane, when he took that cup and he said, not, not my will, but thy will be done. He cried. Strong cried. And I got good news for you. You may hold a dead baby. You may hold a dead bride. You may stand and weep with what God offers you in a cup. But honey, you won't be alone. There's one who's already been there. Hallelujah to God. There is a set of footprints. He's already been there. Honey, I got news for you. Job sat there with his precious wife. Amen. Buried seven sons and three daughters. Brother Jimmy, I don't know. I mean, me and Miss Jennifer had a late start. We stood there a couple years in deep depression. Honey, wondering if we're ever going to get to have the babies y'all are carrying around. God give us, He's give us three. 
We'd like to have 13. We got God held us off so long. I couldn't imagine. But honey, I got news for you. God sent his son. His son looked in that cup. I'm just hanging around the Garden of Gethsemane for just a minute. Y'all don't mind worshiping, do you? Thank God the second Adam. Amen. The first Adam went into his garden and he dealt with his tree. And he said, not thy will, God, but man's will be done. And he brought a curse. But the second Adam came into his garden. He dealt with his tree. And he brought a reverse on that curse. And our Adam sat down and said, oh God, not my will. Hebrews 10 said, by the which will we are sanctified. It was that submissive will of the Son of God when he looked in that cup and began to groan, honey. The death rattle in his throat. Strong crying. Strong crying. I want you to know when you get there, he'll be waiting on you. He'll be waiting on you. He's a man of sorrows. What a name for the Son of God who came. We used to sing that nearly every Sunday morning, that old hymn. And that's how it's a man of sorrows. What a name. For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah! What a Savior! Hallelujah! What a Savior! Seven verses on that old hymn. We'd slow down and sing it 20 minutes every Sunday morning. Amen. And then it get real good, and we just hold that last part over and over again. Hallelujah! What a Savior! That'll help you have church right there. Amen. Judas is scared. That blood come out of his forehead, the Son of God down into his beard. Judas held the Lamb of God in his arms, pressed his lips against that deified blood, and brother. Kissed the gateway to heaven and locked himself in the in the door of hell. Our Savior. He knows about strong crying. Strongest cry I think there'll ever be. I can't get off this first thought, brother Jim. Strongest cry is that Bible word. Whoa. Whoa. W-O-E. That little word, it don't fit in these modern day contemporary mega churches. Ain't, ain't no whoa over there. Y'all don't need to hear that. I'd be preaching to the choir. But every time somebody backslides and leaves the Holy Ghost, blood of Jesus, virgin birth, old-fashioned, independent, fundamental, Baptist preaching church, They'll always go find one of them big mega churches where they can hide on the back row with 3,000 people. Sing Come By Yah with Barney the Dinosaur. Amen. Now y'all don't need that near as bad as 75% of the other churches in Catoosa County. But you let somebody get sideways and get squirrely on God and tell how they never go find an old-fashioned Holy Ghost preacher. That's right. That's exactly right. They never go find a man with the, with the Word of God, the King James Bible. They never go find an old-time, an actual flock, an actual flock of sheep with a shepherd. Amen. Joe Parsons said, if you got a shepherd and a flock, you're having church. He said, I don't care what else you don't have. If you got a shepherd and a flock, you're having church. And he said, I don't care what you do have. If there ain't a shepherd and a flock, you ain't having church. 
And he said, Joe Parr said, when we get to heaven, guess what's going to be? A shepherd and a flock. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Honey, if you don't like the arrangement down here, you ain't going to like it over there. Strong crying. That, that Old Testament word. Whoa! I got to studying, looking at Isaiah 6. Sometime back, preach a few years back. Isaiah chapter 6, when he saw the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Sitting upon the throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And them seraphim stood there and cried, Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. You know, the first thing Isaiah, he said, in the post of the door moved at the voice of him that spake. There's three action verbs in that verse that we need in all of our churches moved and cried. First thing out of Isaiah's mouth. Whoa! I like, I like Isaiah chapter 6. Can I tell you this before I tell you that? This first point, supposed, it was supposed to have done been gone, but it's, 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 got, it's in the room and it's here to stay. Ralph Sexton Sr., the old-timey man of God, Ralph Sexton Sr. He done gone to glory. His wife done gone to glory. He is an old-timey, old-timey mountain preacher. Had him a tent and a shout. Can I get a witness right there? I, get, I preach in North Carolina from time to time, and some of them old men, they tell me about Ralph Sr. I got to be in the service when Ralph Sr. right before Billy Kelly died. They brought Brother Billy Kelly out and set him out. That 400-pound red-headed bear hunting old-time camp meeting preacher. Ralph Sr. wrote him a song and sang it to the tune of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing and wrote the song I'm a Soldier in the Army. Billy Kelly couldn't stand up no more. He's in a wheelchair. He, He raised his cane and shouted, for half an hour, Ralph Sr. danced all around him and sang it to him, shouting. They said, Sister, Sister Jacqueline, that's Sister, they called her Sister Jackie, Ralph Sexton Sr.'s wife. Said the only person that loved the Lord a little more than Ralph Sr. was Sister, Sister Jackie. And Brother Jimmy said, she memorized the book of Isaiah. She loved it. She didn't mean to. She just loved it so much. She, <laughs> she told everybody there's five Gospels in the Bible. She'd say there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. And she said Isaiah's in the Old Testament. <laughs> she said she memorized it by accident. <laughs> Woo! And if you don't love that word, you might not love that world. If you don't love God's word, you probably don't love God's world. I don't know. That's why people quit shouting anymore in church. They're in love with this world, not that world. Amen. I saw seven good places for y'all to break out in a shouting spell during two of those songs. I wondered how you could just sit there, to be honest with you. That's just me. That's just me. Sister Jackie, they put her in a rest home. She lost her. She got the Alzheimer's. and She didn't know anybody. I just preached the other day for a little short gray-haired preacher named Chris Pethel. He stayed in the home with Brother Ralph and Sister Sexton. He stayed with them every year after Jubilee. Knew them well. Brother Payne, he took them to Hawaii. Let them enjoy that. He said... Ralph Sr. had already died and went to glory. He said, I went to see Sister Jackie in the nursing home. He said, she didn't know me. She didn't even look at me. He said that nurses come over and told him, said, she don't talk. 
she don't know anything anymore. He said, it kind of broke my heart. He said, I held hands with her and tried to and talked with her. Nothing would. He said, then a thought hit me. <laughs> I'll get to Isaiah in just a minute right here. I was going to tell you a little Isaiah story. He said, I got my Bible and opened it to Isaiah. He said, I remember that she loved the book of Isaiah. He said, I sat down next to her in that rest home and began to read. I, he said, <laughs> about chapter 2, she picked up the reading for me yeah. without looking at anything. Yeah. He said, she quoted chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5 in her little chair. Said, she never moved, said, she just quoted Said when she, when she got to chapter 6 and said, in the year that King Uzziah died, she said, <laughs> she said her little hands went up in the air. In the year that King Uzziah died, she said, I saw also the Lord. <laughs> he said she got to verse 2 and said when she got the post of the door moving at the voice of him that cried. Said she went to waving her hands. And said by this time people would come around the other ones in the wheelchair and the nurses, they'd come around and people was crying because the Holy Ghost can be real wherever He wants to be real. Exactly right. Amen. That's right. You've seen that, Brother Payne, in them rest homes. Hallelujah to God. The comforter don't go on vacation just because everybody else forgot about you. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost, the comforter, He don't take leave just because you're not doing good. Woo! Said when she got to that verse, said, Woe is me. Said she just went to shouting. Yeah. Woe. Said she had a shout spell. I said, What happened? He said, A bunch of us started shouting. <laughs> oh, the first thing Isaiah said, he, when he saw the Lord, he said, Woe. Woe. I tried to preach that, Brother Jimmy, for six months. I didn't know what it meant. Dictionaries wasn't helping me. Commentaries wasn't helping me. Preacher friends wasn't helping me understand it. I didn't know what it meant. Woe. Digging through the scriptures, finding that woe. There's only three woes in Revelation. But they're enough. Old Testament's full of woe. Woe. The Holy Ghost finally showed me what that was. It's a, it's a cry. It's a cry of a man under condemnation. It's a cry of a man who knows that he's under judgment and more judgment's coming. The Holy Ghost finally showed me what that was. Holy Ghost, show The only place you're really going to hear woe being screamed. Is right there at the judgment. The dead, small and great, stand before God and the books are open. And brother, when them angels take a hold of them and cast them finally into that lake of fire, when them old preaching uncles preached on a place worse than hell, death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And brother, when they take them sinners them unbelievers and toss them over in the lake of fire they realize it's for eternity and what they're screaming the screams coming out of their mouth when they're being tossed the scream coming out of their soul when they're being tossed off into an eternal lake of fire that's a man who understands his woe if you can ever get a peek at your sin if you can ever get a peek at his wrath, if you can ever get a peek at the lake of fire, you might scream it in time. Woe is me. Do you know there's only one woe in all of the Gentile apostles' writings? The fellow who wrote the letters to the churches, Paul, there's only one woe. And he said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. I got news for you, church. We ought to be consumed with preaching the gospel. 
It ought to be our prayer. It ought to be our drive. It ought to be our thrust. If the old-fashioned shouting churches has one weakness, it's that we're internally focused and have lost our, our vision for the fields that are white to harvest. I wish I had somebody. I'm old-fashioned to the core. It's all I know. It's cost me all the big meetings. I wish I had somebody. About the second time I pop a happy bubble and shout and run past somebody's pew, that'll cost you all the big meetings. Can I get a witness right there? By the time they figure out you dress holy and you act holy and, and, you, and you get excited in church and you believe the literal word of God, by the time they figure out you're old-timey, the big meetings get gone. But I didn't get in this thing for the big meetings. I'm old-fashioned to the core. It's all I know. And I know one thing. If we have one thought, we're internally focused. We have a hold-the-fort mentality instead of charge the gates. And our heart and our burden is very accurate. This generation has lost everything precious. And, we, and if we're not careful, we'll circle the wagons and try to protect Grandma's shout. When the truth is, the shout didn't come from Grandma. The shout came from the gospel. And some of you didn't have a Grandma. You wouldn't have nothing to shout about. Please tell me something about Jesus. Tired of hearing about your Grandma or your Grand Youngins. Tell me something about Jesus. You can make an idol out of anything. Honey, a lot of people don't know the Lord Jesus. If there's one, Paul only had one woe in all of his church writings. And he said, woe unto me. I think it's 1 Corinthians 9. If I preach not the gospel. And Brother Thompson, I'm... The flocks have been ravaged and rampaged in this hour. And I understand that. But we can get to where nothing but our focus is on the flock. And we'll lose sight of what the heartbeat of God's about. It ain't just about the flock. It's about the fields. That are white to harvest. Well, I've lost all my shouters. The pastor's backing me up and one other fella. I've lost all my shouters. I want to make a little announcement. If you're shouting about your shout, you're goofy. If you're singing about your song, you're way off. If your holiness is about your standards, you don't know Jesus. We preach about our preaching. We sing about our singing. We glory in our glory. Come on, y'all. I can't straighten out the Southern Baptists. They ain't here tonight. They don't even have Sunday night no more. They small cell group at somebody's house on Thursday. Hogwash and buzzard puke. That's how they taught me to tell it. When you glory in your glory, and that's why we don't have any real glory left in our, in our old-timey churches. Honey, we need to weep over our sin, worship over our Savior. We need to get a burden for the fields that are white to harvest. And somebody does need to remember how precious the integrity of the flock is and defend the faith, earnestly contend for it. Hallelujah to God. That's the only woe. Strong crying. Strong crying. Well, I can tell right now that I ain't going to get to my message. <laughs> I'm here to tell you there's a strong consolation. Hallelujah to God. <clears throat> I thought I was going to talk to y'all about that strong Christian. But we, we ain't going to get there. Not tonight. I'm glad there's a strong consolation. I'm about to pop a happy bubble the size of Texas and run through them back. I've been wanting to run through them doors ever since you built this church. Now, I'll walk back because 
80 pounds ago. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. <laughs> Amen. And I may just actually jog to the doors. <laughs> I'm glad there's a strong consolation. Hallelujah to God. Amen. There's a strong consolation. Look in, I'm nearly done. I'm just going to touch this. And I, I'm, I'm just trying to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. He wanted us to talk about that strong crying. I didn't know that until I got up here, until I got to preaching. I'm glad. Woo! I'm glad for your strong crying. There is a strong consolation. Oh, Isaiah. Wow! The glory of God run down through him and he saw the leprosy that was in his soul. I'm glad if an old sinner ever sees his sin and he cries like a man being tossed into the lake of fire. You didn't hear me. I said he cries like a man being tossed into the lake of fire. Where's the old time Holy Ghost conviction? Where's the old time Holy Ghost conviction? Honey, people ought to get saved crying like they're being tossed into hell. That's right. Amen. That woe ever runs through your soul, you'll scream. Oh! Woo! There's a strong consolation for people that finally see themselves going to hell and deserving of it. If they'll cry out for help, hallelujah. I believed in the old time shout when I pastored. Matter of fact, we kept the church furniture tore up where I pastored. God gave me a heart for them sinners. And it wasn't just about the flock being taken care of. It was about the field being taken care of. I was sitting in my bathtub one night, Brother Jim, and the Holy Ghost burdened me. I'd praying for Stanley Benkowski. He was a big old beer-drinking Roman Catholic race car-driving swamper. I pastored in the swamps. Had tattoos on all of his arm. Big burly guy. Nice fella. A, a nice fella. Just an old rust sinner. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Kenneth and Leslie had, had a baby. And that baby got the grandparents to church. <laughs> Stanley been coming four Sundays and I got under a burden. Bad. I was sitting in the bathtub, and I hate to tell you all that, but that's how it happened. I was sitting in the bathtub, and the Holy Ghost said, if you'll walk across that lawn and get in that pulpit and preach on hell, I'm going <laughs> to save Stanley tonight. <laughs> as the shortest sermon on hell you ever heard, I believe God's so good. <laughs> I read Luke 16, put the rich man in hell, baptized him three times down there, and held him down at the last time. <laughs> Brought him up one more time to holler for a drop of water. And I said, now, if you need to get saved, you come. Stanley, and they'd been sitting in this front corner. Brother Jimmy, Kenneth Leslie, and little Garrett. Garrett's a preacher now in Bible college. They're sitting in the... Four weeks, they'd sat right there. Come in that night, sure enough, they're all in the back corner because the baby is acting up. Let me, let me tell you how great my faith was. I thought God's going to save him off that front row. When I come in and saw him on the back row, I thought, well, it's all over with now. <laughs> okay. God can't do it now. He's on the back row. Ain't we something? We think God can save somebody here but move them 20 yards and he can't save them. That's usually about where my faith is. I have to confess unbelief about every day. I said, well, this is sad. But I preached that thing hard as I could. I said, if you, and old Stanley just stood up, just as a matter of fact, hitched his britches, laid something down, waved at one person, and come walking right down the aisle just as calm. <laughs> You'd have thought I was getting saved. I was crying. I fell apart. I was hugging people. Stanley's standing right there like he's comforting me. He's just patting me. <laughs> I'll never ever forget what he told me, preacher. He said, 
I've been listening to you for a month now. He said, I think you got it right. (laughs) And you'd have thought I was the one saved. My mucus was running. I was all tore out of the frame, and he just comforted me. He just grinning. God saved him. Well, I wasn't satisfied. I said, he's way too casual. I said, I'm glad you saved, Stanley. Somebody else needs to get saved. <laughs> and the most sophisticated, dignified, the last name was Cowards. He'd run a city of over 100,000, Gainesville, Florida. He just retired. They had big money. I knew they weren't going to hang around long. I just knew they weren't going to hang around long. I just, that third time we shouted on Sunday morning and run over the pew. I knew the things just got out, you know. But they kept sticking around. Raised Presbyterian. She steps out. Decked out. What she was wearing was worth more than everything I owned. And she came as prim and proper and sophisticated and put her and had a little professional lace hanky. And she, big tears, lips trembling. She said, I've never heard it on this wise. She said, I know I'm lost. She said, she said, Reverend, she said, can I be saved as well tonight? Well, once again, you'd have thought I was the one getting saved. (laughs) Oh, Lord, she got so gloriously saved. By this time, the the church was punch drunk. We were happy. (laughs) We were hurting each other and putting holes in the drywall and everything else. (laughs) Shouting all over the building. And Jennifer, I don't remember who the other two. Two more got saved. I just remember two more. Come and got saved. And I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel. And I said somebody else. Here comes Sister Leslie. She was the daughter that had the baby. That got the grandparents there. She's in the back. I thought she was all right. Had her shoes off. I don't know if because she is a. Redneck, or because she's keeping babies back there. But I was in the hills of Tennessee this morning and Alabama last night. There was as many bare feet as not. <laughs> Appreciate y'all wearing your shoes tonight. Most of you, most of you. Here come Leslie. Scream. Unnerved everybody. Scream like you'd electrocuted her. Scream. And sprinted. Sprint. And finally, somebody down there getting saved, other looked like not me, somebody else. And she screamed and hit, and her and her husband are pastoring today down in central Florida. God saved her. And I remember her screaming and running. And I remember backing up. I didn't quite know how this was going to end up. And here she come and slammed into that altar and screamed. And her screaming went to shouting. Just, you know, you can feel it when it does. You can. And I got news for you. Honey, that strong crying over hell, there's a strong consolation for you. There is a strong consolation, and it's called Calvary. It's called Calvary. If I start reading Hebrews chapter 6, I'll preach another hour, and I'm not sure y'all are that religious. Hope we have as an anchor of the soul. That's verse 19. There's a strong consolation. Don't you think it's goofy? The crowd that tries to lose their salvation, try to tell you you can lose yourself. They love to go to Hebrews 6. Them first few verses. And, and that's a real bad chapter to carry somebody to if you're wanting them to lose their salvation. Because they might read past verse 8. Yeah. Yeah. 
they might get in verse 9 where it says, But, beloved, we're persuaded better things of you. <laughs> Woo! And he goes in there talking about God could swear by no greater, so he swore by himself. And an oath for confirmation is to men an end of all strife. And two immutable things, his spoken word followed up by his sworn word. He, he spoke a promise, and then he made a blood covenant to back it up. That's the two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. That we, the heirs of promise, might have, we might have an anchor of the soul, a strong consolation. We who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast. And which enters into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus made him high priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. Amen. I got news for you. We've got an anchor. I was preaching this up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Was that three weeks ago, four weeks ago? It's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The man had a large teen camp, and they bust in kids from New York and Ohio and Pennsylvania and some of them northern, and they bust them in from everywhere. Half the kids were street kids, half the church, half of them were church kids, but not good churches, and the place was just full. And I preached to them youngins on when there ain't no answers, there are anchors. got to understand something about our generation. There's some youngins living in some stuff that you just wouldn't understand. I'm talking about strong consolation for your strong crying. Hallelujah to God. 